Hey friends, my name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We're working to build a community position to experience God in daily life. Our weekly teaching is one piece of that work. So as you listen to this week's message, my prayer is that you would hear God inviting you to respond to his love and his desire for you. For more information, you can visit ridgeline.church. So, uh, man, we're so glad that you're all here, uh, especially today, and excited to be able to jump in to this new ser- uh, series together called Positioned for Change. And uh, I do want you to know that we're going to uh, end the message today. We don't do this every week right now, but we're going to end with a time of text message Q&A. So if this is your first time with us, there's going to be a number that's on the screen, and uh, you can text your questions in at any point. If you have questions about the church or something that you hear this morning, uh, how something might apply to your situation, then go ahead and, uh, and text those questions in and we'll get to as many as we can. I do want to start just by telling you a little bit about really the origin uh, of this series, Positioned to Change, Positioned for Change. Um, I don't have like a, a, a bunch of ideas on a wall in my office and then just like throw a dart at them and just go with whatever. There's usually some intention behind what it is that we are learning together uh, as a community. And this series is no different. And the truth is, uh, position to change really uh, is the overflow of so much of what God has been doing in my own life, personally and privately over about the last two and a half years. And it really all started with being in a season uh, of being pretty discontent with the state of my relationship with God, mainly that it didn't really feel like I had one. And that doesn't mean that I was not, I mean, I've been a pastor for 15 years now, more than that. And so I had a lot of uh, practice in my life and praying and devotional life and preaching and serving and teaching. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't necessarily feel like I had a relationship with God. And I hope you know this, but you can do lots of religious practice and not have a relationship with God. And that's kind of where I was. So I had this morning, I remember this morning, clear as day, I was praying in my living room and I got done kind of praying the typical list that I was praying at the time. So I'm sure I prayed for stuff going on in my own life. And I prayed for Tammy and for my kids and I prayed for our church. And so I get done praying this list and I had this thought immediately where I was like, I could never do that again and be okay. <laughs> not prayer. Just to be clear, you're like, I don't, I'm not sure about this church at all, but just just praying a list, which was basically just reciting a list, like, 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 like providing an, an order to a server at a restaurant to God. That's what my prayer life really consisted of at the time. And what I started to notice was this huge chasm between what I was seeing in the scriptures and the way that God related with people in the scriptures and what I was experiencing in my own life. And I have to believe that there's no way that I'm the only one, right? Like there's times, I guarantee you, where you read the Bible and you read about the way that God's working 
And I'm not talking about like Red Sea. Like when I'm out, when we went out to the Salt Lake, I didn't expect God to like part that sucker when I stepped in. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the intimate communion that we see people have with God in the scriptures. I did not feel like I was experiencing that. And I have a hunch that if we're honest, many of us would say the exact same thing. And so what that started for me, like the way that I responded to that, because <clears throat> there would be multiple ways. I mean, some people might just be like, you know what? I don't, I don't think that God's even real. A season like that could start a season of deconstruction where someone ends up in a place where they're like, I just think I'm out of this faith thing altogether. And by God's grace, that was not my response. I just started to pray really honestly to God about where I was and to tell him like, hey, I'm kind of over the way I'm doing this. And I, I, I see enough in scripture that tells me that I don't, I think that you have more than this for me, but I don't know where to go from here. And so I just started to pray really on it. And I, I think the most simple way that I can think to summarize what I was praying about for months was, Lord, I want to experience deeper intimacy with you. And I know like if you're here and you're a guy and you're uncomfortable with the word intimacy, like, I don't know what to tell you. I love you very much and get over it. But that's what I was praying because that's what I wanted. I wanted deeper intimacy with God. I wanted an actual relationship and so what I didn't know was that that for me personally, it may not mean this for you, but for me, it meant a couple of years of therapy and spiritual direction and, and trying to begin to learn how to live more openly about my emotional life with God and with the people in my life. And it's been like two and a half years of just being perpetually uncomfortable. But I'm so thankful to say that my relationship with God is a relationship now. And it all started with this sense inside of me that, that, that asked, is there more? I, I grew up in the church. I've been following God for a very, very long time. And after like 37 years of it, I just found myself in, in this place of asking this question, man, is, is, there, is there more than what I've been experiencing? And so my purpose for this series is to invite you into the very same journey that I've been on, but just unique to where you are in life. Because you and I are not in the same place. And your history, your story is different than mine. And your wiring and your makeup is beautifully unique to who you are. But the journey of positioning our lives to experience transforming relationship with God I believe is by and large the same. And so this series is an invitation to you to step into this with me. And so I want to invite you into this. And it all starts with this question, is there more? And I think whether or not you like came in this morning and that, that question was consciously on your mind, I think that's kind of a longing inside all of our souls right now. Because if think about the way, think about just the disoriented state that so many of us feel like we're in right now. I mean, just there, there's like the global things that have happened over the last 18 months that I don't think any of us have ever walked through a global pandemic before and experienced like the complete shutdown of, of so much of normality in our lives and 
So there's just, that's been really disorienting to, to have our lives be so disrupted. But then at the same time, if I'll just say for myself, I've found myself when I look at so much of the fruit that has come out of the Christian church <clears throat> in the last 18 months, um, it's left me pretty disillusioned. Because it doesn't look very much like Jesus. And I think it's inevitable that when we find ourselves disillusioned with the church, it's almost impossible that we don't find ourselves somewhat disillusioned with God. Which is the reason that I do believe that there has been like such a mass experience of, if not this, what has, is coming to be called more and more deconstruction, but this series, this, this state of just being disoriented. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to think about anything anymore. And so I think that in the midst of this mess, like, and, and I don't like, and I, I would say like, I was 100% purely discouraged by all of that until a couple of weeks ago. But now I'm beginning to see how I think that God has opportunity in that, that even in this like dumpster fire that we have been living in for the last almost two years, God's present in it and he's working in it. And he's inviting us to something more. Maybe he's used all of this stuff that we have seen to help kind of sift out what is not what he wants and to create this longing inside of us that is wondering, like, is there more? Because if there's not, I've been at a place in my life, my guess is you have been at a place in your life, you might be at a place in your life, or you will be, where you wonder, like, if there's not more, I think I'm out. And so the question that I really want to wrestle with this morning is, is there more? And I'm, there's a spoiler at the beginning, okay? I know we don't love that when it comes to our TV programs, but the spoiler alert is, like, I, there is more. Right? Or this was a horribly depressing introduction to a series. <laughs> After two and a half years, I'm here to tell you there's not more. I'm out, and this is our last Sunday. Selah. <laughs> okay, there's more. And so here's what I want to do. I want to look at, typically my, my preferred way to teach, if you've never been here before, is to just have like one passage that we kind of slowly walk our way through. But this morning I want to look at three. And I want to look at three promises from Jesus' own mouth that promise us more than what most of us are experiencing. Because it's like, I mean, I guess it could be mildly encouraging for me to sit up here and to tell you like, there's more, there's more. But it's probably far more impactful and important that you hear that from the mouth of Jesus. And so I want to, we could spend all day doing this, but I just pulled out three of, I think, what are the most significant promises that I can think of this week that Jesus makes to us. These are not unique to his, uh, his first disciples. These are promises that he makes to every single one of us. All right. So I know some of you like to, to take notes and to write things down. So if you want to follow along, uh, here's where we're going to start. Three, three promises from Jesus' own mouth. The first one is a restful relationship. A restful relationship. And I, we see this in Matthew chapter 11, specifically uh, verses 28 to 30. Uh, Jesus is uh, looking out 
and speaking to a group of people who are uh, and have been pretty beat down by religious legalism. And he speaks this really encouraging, comforting promise to them. Listen to what he says. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So just consider those words for a second. Notice the state that these people are in. They are, Jesus says, weary and burdened. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. If you have any experience in a uh, religiously legalistic culture, like the one, oh, I don't know, that we live in in Salt Lake City, then you know what it is to be weary and burdened by having to keep rules to stay right with God. Now, I, again, I, I grew up in the church, so there's, I don't think there's ever been a point in my life when I believed that I had to do certain things in order to be saved. But I very much lived the majority of my life believing that to stay inside of the favor of God, I had to behave a certain way. Anybody else? That's very common within Christianity in Western culture. So I get saved by grace, I stay saved, by the things I do. And that leads to this place of being weary and burdened. And so into that season of weariness and feeling burdened by the weight of all of that, Jesus gives this amazing promise. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. That's gotta be like one of the most compelling invitations that Jesus ever extends. Rest for our souls. Now, I want you to think about a time in your life that you have experienced the most peace and ease. I don't know about you. I feel like I don't experience that very often. Anybody else? Like we just live in such a frantic culture. And, and, and just based on, the I don't know, the way that I function or the way that I'm wired, I, I, I feel pretty constantly driven to like whatever's next. Like every, I'm not talking like just like in big, I mean like every single day. I wake up and... I need to eat breakfast, that's next. And then we gotta get our kids ready for school and taken to school, that's next. And then I gotta get to the office and get to work. And then I have a series of tasks that I'm always thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next. And then I wanna get home and spend time with my family, that's next. And then they're going to bed. And then Tammy and I are gonna watch Outer Banks, which we just crushed inside of like two weeks. Oh my gosh. And if you haven't seen that, you better recognize, okay? You better get on Netflix and watch Outer Banks. But just, I just feel constantly like I'm moving from thing to thing to thing to thing. And this idea of soul rest, honestly, like I think that when we read that, we're like, I, don't even, I don't even know that I have a concept for that. But just uh, last month, as most of you know, I was in Ohio for uh, my first of four residencies, being uh, trained in the art of spiritual direction. And, and I think I even mentioned when I talked to you about that, that, that one of the um, practices that we had was a 16-hour silent retreat, which I was really, really stressed out about, which says something about the state of my soul. 16 hours of just chill, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. 
<clears throat> but I got into it, and in uh, a couple hours in, um, I'd done some reading uh, in scripture and prayer and meditation. It was going really, really good. And I did like this where I looked over at the clock and I'm like, Phew, I can't go to bed at 645. So this is not over yet. And so I decided I was just going to go out for a walk and, uh, and spend more time with God. And so I get out on this walk <clears throat> and I realized, I was like, I think this is the most at peace I have ever felt. And I was walking so slow. It's the slowest walk. I don't think I went, it felt like I went for miles, but I think I went like a block. I was just going that slow. And it was just one of the few times in my life I felt, because what was I going to go do? I pray in my hotel room, pray out here. It's all the same. I couldn't watch The Walking Dead, as I already told you, because it was not allowed on the silent retreat. So it was just like, uh, but just having nothing to get to, I just felt this very deep sense of calm that I don't know that I'd ever experienced before. And for me, I think that was one experience of the soul rest that Jesus invites us to experience in the midst of the stress and the anxiety and the frantic pace at which we live. There is a different way for us to live and there is a different experience for us to have. That is what Jesus invites us to. He invites us here in Matthew 11 to this relationship that is about learning and following. And, and, and from this, as we follow Jesus and we actually, I know this is crazy, but we actually do the things he calls us to, not just know them, but to actually live out and to practice the invitations of Jesus in the scriptures then we learn a way to live that results in our souls and our lives flourishing in a new way. Now, isn't that an amazing promise from Jesus? The problem is we don't experience it. And I think that's one of the reasons that we struggle with probably all three of the promises we're going to look at this morning is we go, yeah, that sounds amazing. That's just not my reality. Which means there must be more. Now, here's the second promise from Jesus. The second one is this, a constant companion, a constant companion. This is a, there's a few places we could look for this, but I want to draw our attention to the end of Matthew chapter 28. So this is just after Jesus' resurrection, and he meets with his disciples for the first time since then, which was pretty mind-blowing because, you know, they saw him die, and then he was alive. And so make no mistake, Jesus has their full attention And this is what it says in verse 18. Jesus came near and he said to them, and this is going to be very familiar to many of you. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, (laughs) raise your hand if you've ever read that before or heard that verse before. Many of us, right? If you've been at Ridgeline for the last few years, I've taught on this text. So you've at some point probably heard me talk about it. Now, by and large, when we come to these verses, we tend to focus on the mission that Jesus gave to his disciples, which was to make disciples. And we, there's two parts to that. 
There's the helping people who don't know Jesus come to know him, which baptism is a mark of someone making that transition from death to life. And then the second part of discipleship is teaching people to observe, which means to obey everything that Jesus had commanded. That is where we tend to focus our attention in this text. And I'm not saying that's bad. I think that's really important. That's most certainly the thrust of what Jesus is saying. But it's the last verse that if we don't pay attention to and we don't actually experience everything else and it's going to be impossible for us. So look again, Jesus says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now that word always uh, in Greek literally means all the days. That there is never going to be a day in your life where God takes a day off. And there's never going to be a season in your life in which he's not present with you and he's not working and that he does not desire communion with you. That's never going to happen. And so reading that promise, sitting in in Jesus' promise to be with us all the days, every day, causes me to experience comfort, but also to have a question. And the comfort comes in, like there, there is just, there is comfort in companionship, right? Like not being alone is comforting. Tam and I went to a concert last night and we're in this new phase of parenting, which I got to tell you, those of you that just have new babies and stuff, oh man, it's, it's great. It's called just leaving your kids at home. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't do that with a new baby because, you know, your one job is to keep them alive. But our kids are old enough that we're just like, we're, we're going we're gonna to go and you guys are good. And they were all three there when we got back, which I felt like was a huge win. Two of them were asleep. And one was reading. I came home last night going, we, this is it. Jesus, come back. We have crushed parenting. It can't get any better from here. So it's the second time, I think, that we've done that. The first time we just went to dinner and we were back before like, because I'm 100, we were back before like 7.30. I don't get the senior citizens discount if I go later than that. So, But last night, it was a big deal. We got back like after dark. It was like 10, 10.30 which was uber late for me. And, uh, and, uh, and so here's what I know. If, uh, if only one of our kids were to stay home last night, um, we would have been getting a text message around like eight o'clock. Like, I'm not comfortable with this. Why don't you love me? Why have you abandoned us to ourselves? This is bad parenting. I don't want to be here alone. But you know, we didn't get that. You know why? Because they were together. Because there's comfort in companionship. And so that's certainly true in human experience, but it's definitely, should be anyways, infinitely more in our relationship with God. Because practically what this promise from Jesus means is there's never been one blink, not one breath, not one beat of a second in which Jesus has not been with you. So in your darkest day in the last 18 months, anybody else have some dark days where you found yourself crying on some floor? I feel like if you did not cry on some floor during COVID, you were just not paying attention to what was happening in the world. (laughs) But you know, in that 
moment, he was there. And you weren't alone. And that promise is for every single day of our lives. So the question is, why do I walk through so much of life feeling alone? Because every Christian I have ever met, every Christian I've ever read, reports seasons in their life where they feel like God is absent. And so my thought is, there must be more. Now, there's this third promise that I want to look at real quick before we do some Q&A, and it's the promise of a powerful presence. The promise of a powerful presence. This is from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So this is Jesus again. So if you're not familiar with the history of Jesus' life and ministry, um, he, we think, lived roughly... 33 years after a three-year ministry with his disciples, he was crucified. Uh, History reports that he spent three days uh, in the tomb, and then on the third day that he rose again. And there was a season of time where Jesus continued to appear to people on the earth. And the scriptures say that he appeared to over 500 people over the course of this time, which is one of the most significant evidences and proofs for the resurrection of Jesus, that there were 500 eyewitnesses account, eyewitness accounts that saw him after his resurrection. And so at the end of this time period, Jesus is with his disciples for what would be the last time uh, bodily before his ascension. And this is what he promises them. He says in, in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Sumeria and to the end of the earth. And so imagine being like, think about just the emotional turmoil these early disciples went through. Okay. So they, they follow Jesus for three years. They're spending all of that time trying to get their heads around the things that he keeps saying and teaching, they're experiencing and seeing these incredible, incredible miracles that are taking place. And by the end, they believe like this, this is the Messiah. He has come. He is here. And then they watched him die. And so for th- these three days, just imagine what that must have been like. Talk about hope being completely dashed. They think it's over. Like, what have we been doing for the last three years? All that we thought was is no more. And then, all of a sudden, he's back. So then they're fired up again, like, all right, now it's it's time. And uh, look at this guy can even rise from the dead. And then he's like, I'm going to go. And they're like, this is just becoming emotionally cruel, okay? The snip snap, the back and forth, this is not... And so now they're in this moment where they realize, all right, he's, he's going to leave, but he promises them something better and says that I have to go so that the Holy Spirit can come and to be with you. And that when he does, you are going to experience his power to carry out everything that I have called you to over these last three years. And again, that was not just a promise for them. It's a promise for us. And so if you don't know the story of Acts, Jesus leaves, they get together and they just start to wait and to pray. 
And then that promised, the Holy Spirit does come and descends on them. And then they go out and essentially change the world. Peter preaches a message, 3,000 people come to faith in one day. And they have the they experience the power to witness to what they had seen in Jesus. They experience the power to free people who are oppressed and to heal people who are hurting. They have the power, like we see those things, the miraculous things, and we're in awe of those, but it's so significant that they experience the power to love one another despite intense persecution, that they serve and they give all of it in community. And they experience a power in the presence of the Spirit that literally changed the world. I think that's pretty amazing when we can barely stay united about masks. Can we, I mean, can we just have like a, like bring this into our life? How, how silly is that? that? That we have allowed essentially putting a coffee filter on our face to divide us as the body of Christ. And I say that regardless of what your thoughts are on all things COVID, I'm just saying like regardless of our stance, isn't that sad? Especially when we compare it to what the early church experienced. I can barely handle Americans talking about persecution. We should be so careful with that word because what we see the early church go through and what we know about the history of the church in the first couple of centuries, that's persecution. And so all of this noise about like, the government's persecuting us, they wouldn't let us worship through COVID. The government didn't just shut down church services. They shut down public schools. So basically, I guess maybe you could make an argument that they were persecuting America, but it's not specific just to the church. And I understand that that might really make some of us uncomfortable in the room and that it's not really a statement about politics. It's a statement about being a Christian. We have to see that. That we have been promised that when the Spirit of God dwells in our midst, when we live into that relationship, that there is supposed to be a unifying power that, that gives us a supernatural ability to witness to who Jesus is and what he has done in this world. And if we're not experiencing that, what that indicates to me is there must be more. There must be more. And so if I were going to try to distill this down to, to one thought and idea, this is, I think, what I'm really trying to say this morning. It's just simply this. I believe that Jesus invites us to so much more than what most of us are experiencing. I really do. I say that from my conviction about what I see in the scriptures, but also what I have experienced in my own life. Jesus invites us to more than what most of us are experiencing. So the question then that we have to close with is how do we bridge that gap? How do we bridge the gap between what we are experiencing and what we see promised from the mouth of Jesus in scripture? How do we bridge that gap? And the answer is we have to position our lives to experience transforming relationship with Jesus. If you go back later this week and you meditate on those three verses that we just looked at, those three passages, notice there is an invitation in each one. 
In Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me. So, so we should not experience this deep soul rest when we're not answering that invitation and positioning our lives to experiencing it. The problem is not that God has failed to deliver his promise. The problem is we have not positioned our lives to experience and receive it. And so we have to be done with being mad at God when we are the ones that have not positioned our lives in the way he's invited us to. And so where we're gonna head for the next couple of weeks and really for at least the, the rest of the fall is we're gonna talk about what does it look like to be a community of people whose lives are positioned to experience God in daily life. And I want us to begin taking steps even just this week. And so I, wanna, I want to, just to give you just a simple invitation this morning, okay? Because what, what, I, what I really, really don't believe, we've all heard that, that saying, like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And so if the only thing that we do is that we just keep listening to sermons but not applying them, and we can't be frustrated then about not seeing any change take place in our lives. And so how do we begin to answer the invitations of the Holy Spirit slowly, even this week? And so I want to invite you to something very, very simple. I want to invite you to, and I'll, I'll tell you how to do this in just a second, but to reflect intentionally, to relate with God honestly, and to write something down. Got that? To reflect intentionally, to relate with God honestly, and to write something down. Now, in the Church Center app, uh, I, Pastor Tyler, on the homepage, put a link to a list of reflection questions uh, that I wrote up yesterday for us. And so there's a question for uh, every single day, Monday through Friday of next week. So my hope is that you would uh, log onto the Church Center app, that you would look at tomorrow morning uh, or at some point in the day that's best for you, you would look at that re reflection question and spend time, again, honestly reflecting on this. Wrestling with the question, thinking about your answer to it. And then secondly, I want you to relate with God honestly. So rather than just be like up in your head, talk to God about what it is that you're seeing as you wrestle with this question. And, it, and, and man, that may be like the least pretty prayer you ever pray. But you know what? It might be the most sincere and genuine too. And then thirdly, I know not everybody's a journaler and that's okay. But I would, I would really, really strongly encourage you to, to write something down. Mainly because over and over again, we're told in the scriptures, I mean, we saw an example of it this morning, we're called to remember, to remember, to remember, and we're just real quick to forget. So just write down a few thoughts. Man, it might be a sentence, it might be two sentences, maybe you journal in like a couple of bullets. That's totally fine, but write something down. Let's commit and take active action, is that a active action as opposed to passive action? You know what? We're starting all kinds of new things today. We're going to make that a thing. We're going to take active action <laughs> in starting this journey together. So I want to invite you to reflect honestly, to relate with God openly about what it is that he's speaking to you right now, and then just write something down. And that's just our first step as we move into this new season together. I 
genuinely believe, and I hope you will believe me even if you don't believe it for yourself right now, man, God has more for us than what we're experiencing. He wants to relate with us in a real way every day, not just the mountaintop moments, but in the nitty gritty of every single day. And so let's pray and ask that he would help us position our lives for that. And then we'll do some Q and A, all right? Will you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for your promises to us. I thank you that they are all true. And Lord, we admit that oftentimes we are not experiencing them. And so in this moment, I I really do pray for the faith to believe that even though we may not be experiencing them the way that you intend and the way that we desire, that we would not cease to believe that those promises are still held out to us. And that instead, Lord, we would take your hand as you patiently walk us on this journey toward a new way of living with you. And so, Lord, as we spend time in reflection this week, I pray that you would give us insight into our own hearts and minds and lives. And I pray that you would give us the courage to talk openly with you about what we find in that space. Because you already know, so we're not hiding anything from you. So we might as well talk to you about it. And Lord, as we seek to write a couple of things down each day, I just pray that it would begin to be this record that we could look back on in the year and years to come of how you have just faithfully met with us day after day after day after day. Would you remove every obstacle that stands in the way of us responding to what you're inviting us to? Whether that be fatigue, apathy, fear, skepticism, doubt, whatever those obstacles are, would you remove those? And would you help us to respond to the invitations that you have for us. We ask that you would do that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.